After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Good afternoon. Firstly, I just want to confess to you that I'm, I'm preaching from an iPad today. And I'm confessing this because I, I want you to know that I'm not doing this so that you think I'm really young and trendy. That's obvious anyway. Yes, absolutely. Um, it's because I haven't bought any, any ink for my printer. <laughs> Isn't that the most ridiculous reason you've heard? Anyway, that's not part of it. So we'll start now. Pretend you didn't hear that and now we'll start. So, of course, we're going to start with a recap, because that is the best way to start, isn't it? So, what have we been looking at? What's the major series called? Very good, very good. Jesus and the kingdom. So, we've been looking at the subversive nature of the kingdom. Uh, And we started with Jesus and empire. And we looked at how Jesus subverted the religious and political world of his day. And we looked at how that can impact our lives now and how maybe we should be subverting some of the systems in our world. And then the second part, which we've only just finished, of course, is Jesus and story. story. Yeah, hear that. They, they, knew, they knew really. They knew. Um, Jesus and story. So we've spent the last two weeks on Jesus and story. And we looked at the Good Samaritan and we looked at the Prodigal Son. There you go from memory, Rach. Um, So that's what we looked at, and we looked at how Jesus didn't come as a preacher, and he didn't come as a scholar, but he came as a storyteller. And we looked at how story helps us to enter into something in a new way, and it helps us to really grapple with something that maybe we wouldn't grapple with so much just in in a lecture or a sermon. And yes, I understand the irony of that. So we have looked at his actions. We've looked at how he was subverting the kingdom. We looked at what he did that subverted the kingdom. And, now, and then we've looked at the story. And the stories of Jesus, the parables, are so often he tells us why he's doing those things. He communicates to us why. So we've heard the what, we've heard the why, and today we come to the how. How did Jesus do these things? So that brings us to the meals of the kingdom that we start today. Or I'd like to rename it personally, Jesus the party animal. (laughs) But apparently that's less sensible, so fine. So the New Testament makes three claims that all start with, the Son of Man came. Does anyone know what the three claims are? So you can save the lost. Very good, Joe. I'm very impressed. So one is that he came to seek and save the lost. And that is in Luke 19. There's another one that says the son of man came not to be served, but to serve. And the third one, the focus, says the son of man came eating and drinking. Mm. So we've got two there that are statements of purpose. They're telling us about why he came. 
But the Son of Man didn't come to eat and drink. <laughs> he, came, he came eating and drinking. So this is his how statement. It's his statement of method. And this got him branded as a glutton and a drunk. So if you've ever been called those things, you're in really good company. <laughs> he was called a friend of tax collectors and a friend of sinners, as we heard in our reading. And it wasn't, it wasn't a compliment. It was meant to be an insult. There are actually some scholars, namely Robert Karras, who uh, is a big advocate of this, that says... Jesus got himself crucified by the way he ate. It's a pretty intense statement. But what he means is that Jesus so flouted the religious laws of the day and also the social etiquette of the empire that Jesus was actually crucified for these things. You weren't supposed to dine with people that were unclean. In Roman society, you weren't supposed to dine with people that weren't in your classes. And so... Robert Karras says that it's this that got Jesus crucified. He also says, and this is a great quote, I love this. It reminds me of myself, that's why I love it. It says, Jesus is either going to a meal, at a meal, or coming from a meal <laughs> in the Gospel of Luke. It's great, isn't it? So, and even when he's not in a meal in the Gospel of Luke, he's talking about food. Like, Jesus is completely obsessed with meals. It's his thing. I know his thing is kingdom, and yes, he mentions kingdom more than anything else, absolutely. But it's normally when he's eating. <laughs> and you know, he even describes the end of time as this feast of the kingdom, a feast with God. And unlike, unlike teachers and preachers today, top church excluded, obviously, he came feasting. He didn't just teach us about the feast of God. He came feasting, showing us exactly how it's done. Jesus' social life is even crazier than mine, and mine's bad enough. I have no idea how he kept on top of it. But we're just going to run through quickly some of the meals that we see in the Gospel of Luke. We're going to run through five really quickly, so stay with me. The first one we're looking at is the banquet at Levi's house, as Grace read to us. So Levi was a tax collector. Jesus says, come follow me. And Levi leaves everything behind. And then it says that Levi throws Jesus this banquet. And Levi's there, a tax collector. And all of his tax collector friends are there. And Jesus is right at the center of this banquet party. And that is where Jesus is accused of being this friend of, of sinners and tax collectors. So Jesus dines with the wrong people. The next one that we see is Jesus dining with the right people. Right people, of course, in the day being the Pharisees. And we see Jesus in Luke 7 dining with Pharisees. But at this meal, there's a woman that shouldn't be there. She snuck in. And she's at Jesus' feet, and she cries on his feet. She wipes her tears off his feet with her hair and pours perfume over him. And Jesus says her sins are forgiven and that she has done more for him than any of the Pharisees there. So he dines with the right people, but he really offends them when he does. 
Next, in Luke 9, we see that Jesus just dines with everyone, all the people. He feeds the 5,000. And of course, that's 5,000 men, plus the women, plus the children. So he dines with everyone. And this shows the absolute extravagant nature of God in provision and in inclusivity. Some people even say that this actually is the basis of the Eucharist. And that's maybe why we should have an inclusive Eucharist. But that's a separate talk. It's a separate uh, MA dissertation as well. And then, of course, we see that Jesus dines with his friends, which is good news. We see the Last Supper. He's dining with his own personal friends. And what's really interesting is he starts by announcing that there's somebody that's going to betray him at this meal. Yet he doesn't ask that person to leave. The betrayer is still invited to the meal. And he still dines with them. And what's even more interesting about the Last Supper is that this is where he says, do this in remembrance of me. He doesn't tell us to keep retelling a certain parable in remembrance of him. He doesn't tell us to subvert the kingdom, in a, subvert the, the empire in a certain way. He doesn't say, keep riding into the city on a donkey in remembrance of me. He says, do this in remembrance of me. Have this meal together in remembrance of me. That is how important meals are to Jesus. This is what he picked that we do to remember him. And of course, the last meal that I just want to talk about very briefly is uh, the road to Emmaus, where we see two disciples walking along a road and they are gutted because they've lost Jesus. They think Jesus is dead. And a stranger joins them and they start discussing the scriptures and, and this stranger starts opening up the word to them and they chat about it. And as they get to this place where the two disciples are going to stay, they say to him, well, why don't you come in and join us? Stay here for the night. And as they have a meal together, it's then that this stranger is revealed to them as Jesus. It's at the meal that Jesus decides to reveal himself to them. And the other great thing about the Emmaus story, of course, is that Jesus is eating post-resurrection. Jesus came eating and drinking, and he still is. He didn't stop. The how has not changed. It's the same. And so he eats and drinks with all the right and the wrong people. He offends virtually everyone. He miraculously feeds thousands of people. He teaches, challenges, inspires with reference to food. He laments his betrayal at a meal. And he eats post-resurrection as well. This is Jesus' grand plan. This is how he's going to do what he's doing. Of course, eating is quite functional. We all do it every day, hopefully. Hopefully a number of times a day. And, you know, it can be quite simple. You just sat there by yourself eating a bowl of pasta. That's me regularly. Um, but as soon as company's there, it turns into the most profound thing. It turns into a place of community. There are few acts that are more expressive of companionship 
than the shared meal. You know, there's a reason that many dates involve food. There's a reason why families gather around the table and eat together. There's a reason why when you see friends, it's great to share food. There is a reason for all of this. And it's because the table is that place of community. It turns the stranger into the friend, and it turns friends into family. That is the power of having a meal together. The table is a place of story. It's the place where we retell stories to each other. It might be even the place where we make new stories. I remember a friend of mine eating what she thought was a pepper, and it was a chili, and she cried. <laughs> it's just the story. It's, it's, sorry, it's the place where stories are made and the place where we share stories. It's also the place where, where plans are hatched. It's the place where we get to know each other. We can share our passions with one another over a meal, and out of that can come the most brilliant plans to subvert the empire of the day. The table is where it's at. So out of this place, of course, comes mission. It comes straight out of the table, straight out of the table community that can go straight into mission because we've all sat around, we've all discussed it, we've all got hearts on fire ready to do something. So it's out of there that comes mission. Now, community and mission, I think we can make it sound kind of like a specialised activity that belongs to the experts. But the Son of Man came eating and drinking. So if that's Jesus' how, isn't it ours? Just eat and drink with each other. Sounds easy, doesn't it? You know, we eat regularly here at Top Church together because it's a great thing to do. But let's start eating with each other more outside of here. Let's start inviting more people in. This is the way of Jesus. Don't just eat with friends. Eat with people that you might find a little bit difficult. Eat with people that you're unsure about. Eat with people that probably won't be able to return the favour. And if someone invites you for food now, you're going to think, oh, which one do they think I am? <laughs> But meals should be an integral part of what we do as church. Inside the church and outside of the church. You know, Jesus gave the great commission, didn't he? Go and make disciples of all nations. But he didn't say how. Or maybe it's because it was implied. Maybe it's because we saw him eating constantly throughout the Gospels. Eating with all sorts of people. And this isn't just a plea that you invite me all for food, I promise. But can I encourage you to get to know each other and get to know each other properly. Do it over food. Go out for food with each other. Have fun. But more than that, get to know your local community. Get to know maybe the other mums and dads at the gates. Get to know work colleagues. Get to know the person that you see in the shop every day. Invite these people out for meals. Spend real time with them. Because it's there. It's there where Jesus is. And it's there that Jesus calls us to. 
So go on and invite someone to your little corner of the kingdom feast. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your generosity to us. And God, we thank you for how we see Jesus interacting with those people that seem unlovable. God, we pray that you would fill our hearts with that same desire to love those people, to share our meals with them. Father, we pray that Top Church would just be a place of that incredible table community and mission. In the name of Jesus. Amen.